I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Today on First Lady and Friends, we had an incredible conversation with the interim president at SUU. Her name is Mindy Benson, and she has an amazing story about how she became the interim president and her connections to SUU and Cedar City, the area that she grew up in and continues to live and thrive and be an incredible leader. Let's get proximate. We're back here on First Lady and Friends, and today we have a fabulous guest that has become a very dear friend of mine over the last few years. Uh, Her name is Mindy Benson, uh, title President Benson. Interim president. Interim. Interim president President. of Southern Utah University. Correct. Yes, of SUU, and um, so it's... yeah. So you, this has been a thing that you've been doing for about six, seven, eight months now? I joked and said it would be three to six to nine months, and I think we're closing in on the nine and still yeah. going strong. Yeah. It started in July, July 26th, my first day on the job. We had flooding in Cedar City. And That's we had right. 200 displaced students and community members without homes, and we convened a task force and stood in front of news cameras, sort of like your life for yeah. a minute, but <laughs> just <laughs> surreal that I was standing in front of all those on the first day on the job. That is wild. I had forgotten that. Oh my gosh. And there was flooding on week two, flooding on week three. It's fine. It's just been that way since. It's been pretty crazy. Yeah. We we moved our boys. So our boys go to SUU, our two oldest. Which we love. They are so good on campus. (laughs) They're involved and amazing students. It's just so fun to see them thrive. They love it. But I do remember moving kids in and there were in August... And there were sandbags out in front of their apartment buildings. <laughs> because it had just flooded. Four weeks, four floods. Hundred year floods. And what it a got way, us. what a way to get welcomed in. So let's talk about what came before that. So let's talk a little bit about your background. You grew up in Cedar City. Born so and raised is, in Cedar this is City. Home. It, it is home. I graduated from SUU with a degree in zoology and moved immediately and vowed I would never come back because I wanted to conquer the big city. A familiar story. Right. (laughs) And I came up and conquered the big city and my mentor called me and asked me if I wanted to take my dad's job on campus 15 years after he had retired. And I couldn't turn that down. So I moved back and said, I'll I'll give you three years. And that was 27 years ago. So... (laughs) Worked out well. Rural Utah just grabs you and holds you, and and we love it. We love it. We do. I'll stay there forever if I can. Yeah. So talk a little bit about your parents and your family growing up there in Cedar City. Born and raised, we're multi-generational. We were actually part of the founding of Southern Utah University. And as we celebrate our 125th anniversary, it's been really fun to look back and see where my family came from and their involvement in that and the legacy that we now share so my grandma, I actually have her diploma from SUU, and it was in 1921. It was BAC at that point. I have her diploma. My dad attended there and then worked there, and then I took his job. My sister was the first female student body president, and I'm the first female president. So That's so pretty, cool. Pretty I did not history. know that. 
breaking fantastic. breaking barriers one Benson at a time. That's what we do. <laughs> That's incredible. So, so you had one sister that was there. What? How? What other siblings did All you five, have? There, okay. there are five of us. I'm the youngest, and that's why I'm fierce because I had to survive them. <laughs> My older brother's name is Dude, and if I can survive Dude growing up, I can I can survive anything. And all five of us, all five of us, graduated from SUU. Oh, wow. Went out and conquered the world. Wow, that's incredible. So now, tell me, is your so your dad retired? Is he still living? Both parents have passed. My dad actually had Parkinson's for oh. thirty four years. He had it before I was even born. Oh no, he, kidding! Yeah, and he retired early and had Parkinson's. And my mom had ovarian cancer for thirty years. I was a caregiver most of wow. the, uh, our lives with them. But what a blessing to be able to do that, and how rewarding they've both passed. Wow. And I can feel often that they're much happier that they are where they are than <laughs> in the middle of this. My mom would not have done COVID well. Yeah. Yeah. We're we're seeing that with my parents. It's been a struggle. My dad has really bad health and it's just been really scary. And, you know, as kids, yeah. you just sit there and watch and what's the balance between being with them and hurting them, you know, giving the, and they need you and they need people. But yeah, it's been a bossing them. That doesn't go well for anybody in our family. And we got it from our, our parents, <laughs> our stubbornness. Mm-hmm. We did. Absolutely <laughs> did. So they don't, they didn't love that and they're happy to be where they are. What a great legacy they left us though. Yes. Oh, that's, that's incredible. I didn't know all the ties to SU. Let's talk a little bit about <clears throat> your decision. So you, you decided to go into zoology. What, I did. what was that decision making like? Well, let's back up for a quick minute because I started working at SUU when I was 12. Oh, I no was kidding. a tart girl at the Utah Shakespeare Festival. Oh, I love that. And they still have them? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. I could sell them with the best of them. I sold tarts <laughs> and whorehound and humbug and I was in love with all of the actors that were there and used to, as a 12 year old girl, chase them around. Uh, Benjamin Bratt, if you know Benjamin Bratt, that name, yes. he was at the festival. I did not and know I that. And I was 16 and had the biggest crush on him. I followed him oh, around. Oh, I think I still do. Like, I, yeah. it, oh, Law and Order. I was all in right? on him on Law and Order. Absolutely. I'd watch everything. And when he and Julia were together, I just, mm-hmm. uh, I remember when. So I grew up on campus and I grew up with all of those fabulous actors. And I that was a formative time for me of learning who I was and and PR skills like no other from Fred Adams. There's nobody better to nobody, learn that from. Absolutely nobody better. But for some odd reason, I decided that biology pre-med would be the best place for me. And that's what I always wanted to do. And my dad always questioned that and said, what are you going to do with a biology degree? If you get a plumbing certificate, you plumb. If you get a teaching certificate, you teach. But what are you doing with biology? And dad, I'm, I'm going to be a doctor. And he said, no, you're not. Oh, no He kidding. could see. He knew. So I got involved in student government at SUU and started running events and running concerts and thinking, this is so much more fun than sitting in a doctor's office. But I was too close to finishing that degree. So I suffered through all the physiology classes and the chemistry classes, and I can identify any bug or any muscle, but that is not what I chose to do in my mm-hmm. profession. Sometimes I still wish, though, that I was a doctor. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. That's such an Every interesting thing. And and I, yeah, I think my science classes were some of my, my most fun, I interesting love science. classes. Absolutely love science. And I'm so left brained that it just makes sense to me. And mm-hmm. I love how the human body functions. It still fascinates me. But I think that was very helpful in caring for mom and dad to have all that mm-hmm. knowledge. Yeah. Oh, there was absolutely. a reason. 
Yeah. So then after zoology, and then did you go right into a master's after that, or was there... I didn't. I graduated, and that's when I moved to Salt Lake and vowed I'd never go back. Oh, okay. Conquered the world up here and dated lots of fun guys and played around as much as I possibly could. (laughs) Then I got that call to go back, and my social life definitely changed when I moved back to Cedar City. But that's where I was supposed to be, and I know that. Mm, That's that's so amazing. Um, Okay, so then... So then you've been you've been there ever since and you you say that so then did you get your communications degree your master's degree masters from? in communication in 2008 okay. from SUU. Okay. We actually were the first co- cohort to go through that program and my curriculum for that program was I wrote the curriculum for an event management class and I've been teaching that class on campus ever since. Wow. So, but not only did, have you been teaching it, you've been, um, you've been living it. So you've been planning some really incredible events. Let's, let's talk about your career in event planning. Yeah, that's a secret life that not very many people <laughs> know about, but I fly off less now when I'm the president, I don't have the time to do this sort of thing. But for quite a while, I would fly off nationally and produce events nationally with a company that I work with. We're talking the, the, Republican national conventions in Tampa and Minneapolis Mm -hmm. and New York, uh, presidential inaugurations for President Bush, multiple political events all over all over the country and then touring with national touring acts. Mm -hmm. So massive events. It's so strange to be standing in the White House and put the president of the United States on stage and say, Mr. President, go on now. And I'm thinking, how did this girl from Cedar City (laughs) How is this happening right now? At one point, I was on the stage literally next to the president, and my uncle called, and he never calls me. And they're from Kenosha, right? So he calls, and he said, what are you doing? And I said, I'm standing next to the president, kind of busy. Can I help you with anything? And he, you're what? It, it's just surreal moments like that have made me do a life check. Pretty cool experiences. Wow. Wow, that's lots that's, of stories to tell too. But yeah, I think that's why I keep getting hired. Is I don't name names. Oh, just okay. I, keep was, gonna say, I was I was just going to ask, but apparently you're not going to name. Oh, I can still do general stories, but <laughs> I mean, what's your most interest? I mean, like what what fascinated you, or what what surprised you about any certain president? You know, it's it's fun to work with them and get to know their idiosyncrasies. President Bush, for example always had to be on time and he was so frustrated if anything was even 30 seconds off Mm -hmm. he was absolutely crazy about that and that was something we were very aware of and made sure that the events ran exactly on time so just things to know that that helped them become more comfortable and i've witnessed some pretty historical moments as part of that and that's lifetime memories Mm, that's amazing i read a book it's one of my favorite books, and I, re- I recommend it to everybody, just anybody that's been a parent or worked with with kids in any way that, you know, have disabilities or anything like that. It's called Love That Boy. Oh, that's a good one. Have you read that? Mm-hmm. And to me in that book, they talk. he talks about, because he was a, a, a White House correspondent for, for many, many years through di- several different presidents, and he talks about the difference in their reactions and sort of... The way they interacted with his son who had autism. And it was right. it was President Bush that said, just love that boy. And See, that was where the title of the book came. He had some really great wisdom. And, and it, it's just amazing to watch the actual person versus the personality that is portrayed. 
Yeah. You know something about that, right? Yeah, I know a little bit about that. And so I, th- I think that's really, really interesting. And I think, um, yeah, there's a, there's a, there's the real person and there's these little things that bother him. I do have to say that like Spencer is also, Spencer and I both are very punctual. And so I think we can, re- we can, you uh, can relate to, relate that, to, right? to President Bush and being very, uh, punctual and being on time and it matters <laughs> it does it matters to people i was trying to teach my kids this especially my oldest who um does not naturally have a real clock in his head and just a different personality oh, and just I'm a yellow personality oh yeah. no i'm so red yeah, yeah. no I'm he's so he's red. very yellow i'm not and we butted heads over this for years and years and years and i kept saying before he left to go on his lds mission i kept i said you cannot, this has to be something that you learn. You cannot be late. You can't be late for appointments. You can't, that's people's time that you have to, that's important. You, you know, just drilling it in. Well, then he got called to go to Africa. Oh, there is no time in Africa. (laughs) Like it's not a thing. So he came back worse than he left. (laughs) Totally fine with that. Right. Yes. He'll adapt. (laughs) He'll be just fine all of his life. It's probably us who are far I too know, uptight, I and know. I need to learn how to wind down a little bit. But yeah, yeah, I know. I'm but... like you. I can't even take being a minute late. It makes me nuts. <laughs> so that's good. We all have our we have, all have our things. Well, we that's do. really interesting. And so then the other really incredible connection that we have is that you worked on uh, our inauguration. Right. What an honor that was to be able to do that. I'm that was one of my favorite events. We brought students from my event management class to that and they were they They had a front row seat. They had a front row seat to history. It was such a remarkable experience to be there. Turned out to be a gorgeous day. Great experience. And 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 the first ever inauguration that was not at the Capitol. Which spoke volumes I thought about about you and Spencer Governor Wanting to get out and wanting to be among the people and just shake things up. I think it really speaks volumes about who you both are. Well, and it and speaks volumes about your team being able to pull off that kind of event in that kind of environment. We have to remember, this is January of 2021. <laughs> so, right. This, I'm mean, January right. 4th of 2021. Right in the middle, but it wouldn't have happened any other place. Yeah, right. The, in, the, in the deep heart of COVID. And we were just, able to do it outside. Yeah. What an opportunity. Uh, two years earlier, I had run the governor of Tennessee's inauguration, helped with events for that. And I didn't recognize that I would be utilizing that at the Utah governor <laughs> inauguration. But it was really fun to think, OK, that's why we did that, that, why we did that. And this is how we can do it in the middle of COVID. Yeah, it was. I mean, we did it outside at Tuacon and it was it was just really cool. And we did, there was a, a really interesting COVID moment when our. We had some musical talent that mm-hmm. was coming to do a, a song that was so dear to our hearts. and I just, shed so many tears during that. Oh, oh I, my goodness. It was so emotional. At one point, I was, I was sitting there on stage, and they are singing, and I am like, I have to like pull myself together because I'm like... I'm Abby, impressed that Abby, you, could. you cannot say her and heaving sobs. You cannot do I'm this. so impressed that you could, though. You did oh, such a good job. And to see the love between the two of you and how proud you were of each other. It wasn't he of you or you of he. It was each other and you were absolutely a team. I'm very observant and I watched a lot of things that day. And it was just so impressive to watch your entire team. Uh, well, it was a beautiful day and you guys made it happen. But I do remember one 
sort of hiccup that we had <laughs> real late the night before. Do you yeah. Uh-huh. With a, a COVID sure. hiccup. Yeah. So we were testing everybody to come into the event. Everybody had to be tested the day before. High stress, high stakes. Super high stress. We have, you know, all these plans. So if somebody tests positive and our beautiful penny whistler... He tests positive. And it's not like you can find a lot of penny whistlers no, everywhere. I think there's just one. Right. That I was think the it's penny whistler. <laughs> For this Celtic version of That's important. of this song of Homeward Bound and and it was Yeah. It it was like throw throw everybody, you know, trying to figure this out. Our incredible cellist. Yes spent all night rewriting the cello part to cover the penny whistle part and nobody was the wiser nobody knew. until right this moment. That's the whole thing you do with events. Yeah. Nothing's so you a guys, crisis. You guys pulled that off. It was absolutely incredible and um, I can't wait to hear more about all the other stuff you've been doing at SUU and we'll do that when we come right back. Thanks. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. We are back here with interim president of SUU, Mindy Benson. Hi. (laughs) She's here. Still here. Still here. Still Mindy. (laughs) We are talking about your experience being an event planner. Um, How do you think that prepared you maybe for what you're doing now? I have looked at the parallels here. One of the things I teach in my class is nothing is a crisis. Because things are going to happen regardless. Penny whistlers maybe right. were a crisis. No, <laughs> penny whistlers are not are going to test positive, or something's going to happen, and it's how you deal with it. And the day, the first day of my job, when I was in the midst of flooding, I thought maybe this is a crisis. <laughs> the flooding, but may we still can't fall apart. Yeah, right. So I think events, high stress, high stakes. You have to be resourceful and you have to just figure it out and find a solution is just like leadership every day and the relationships that you build, the networking that you do and the people that you work with are what make it happen. Regardless of what walk of life you're in, relationships are the key to everything that you do. And I feel strongly about that. Our human connection is critical to who we are and what we do. And I think that's what a good leader does is connect with people and care. Yeah, no, I fully agree. And I think that you were so prepared for that moment. So prepared. Thank you. Um, as much as anybody could ever be um, in that moment. And you were phenomenal. I mean, we just, I think the whole state just watched and went, oh my gosh, here we are. We're just going to no water, then all the water, <laughs> all the water. And oh, we'll put up a Red Cross shelter and we're going to feed everybody. And then we're going to find housing for students. We're already in the middle of a housing shortage. We lost 200. That's fine. Well, it's fine. We'll figure it out. Nothing's a crisis. You have to go through it. Can't go around it. So. Yeah, and you guys really did some creative things around the housing. Talk a, talk a little bit about what 
some of those creative solutions that you you came up with. Our community rallies, as our community always does, as Utah always does, mm-hmm. right? They rallied. And we asked them to open open rooms. We asked them to, do you have anything for rent? Do you have a mother-in-law casita that you could rent? And we suddenly came up with rooms. And just as we thought we were out of rooms, somebody would post more rooms and we were able to get through it. But we did that with Community Hope. We rented we different downtown motels were turned into student housing for a little bit. We explored buying a hotel. We were willing to do everything that we could because it's important to us that our students have a good experience. Yeah, and they do. I, I have to tell you, yeah, my kids, um, you know, of course, in my in my poor little Aggie heart, I've had a little bit of heartburn about my, you know, nobody going to Utah State. But, but you did it, so we're covered, right? We're covered, and now we it's, did it. It's and time they, for and the my T-birds. kids, but honestly, my kids have had just a phenomenal experience there. That um, makes me just, very happy, and that's important to us with every student that yeah. we have. Well, let's let's talk a little bit too about your students and um, what's going on with students right now all over the country and all over the state talk a little bit about the kind of the kind of issues that students are dealing with now maybe maybe that they weren't even 10 years ago or 20 years ago it's just there's some different things that are happening with students now i think students are facing some hard roads and and they will for a good long time i anxiety is a problem for yeah. this generation I actually think we've always had anxiety. I, I definitely had anxiety in I that age, too. but I, there wasn't a name for it, right? We didn't know what it was. We didn't know how to deal with it. Uh, now it's it's labeled and everybody deals with it, anxiety and depression. Mental health is a big problem for this age group, and it's something that's near and dear to my heart, and that's a priority for me in this interim presidency to, to take care of the mental health, not only of our students, but our faculty and staff find some initiatives to help with that. Yeah. So talk a little bit what about what those initiatives are. I know everybody's trying to struggle with this in on all our campuses. I, you know, I've talked to, I was, I was talking to president Randall, the new president of the university of Utah. And he told me and see if this sounds familiar to you. He said, we are getting students at 18 that really have the, the social and emotional, um, maturity of a 15 year old because of the they and I don't know where he you know he got his statistics but what he said to me was they've had 10,000 less social interactions than say we did when we got into to school as a freshman right because their social group is online yeah and it's really a challenge for them when they when they get to school and they don't have their coping mechanisms of their family. They don't have their safety places, and they deal with all of this. Mm-hmm. So in rural Utah, we have a difficult time attracting counselors and therapists, mm-hmm. as anywhere in rural Utah does. We're having a difficult time with that. So our wait wait time at our counseling center is six weeks long. And when wow. a student's in crisis, they can't have that. Mm-hmm. We have a terrific team who has worked hard to get that down and, and take care of that. And Kurt Hill and Vice President Jared Tippett's really work hard for our students. But I asked them to convene a task force on mental health and, and everything was on the table. Mm-hmm. We aren't just going to do what we've always done. It's not working. So yep. how are we going to do something different? And they're coming forward with some bold new ideas 
for everything from integrating some mental health training into curriculum of, hey, if you deal with anxiety or if you're triggered or if there are some things, here's some things you can do if it's a green space and you just need to take a deep breath. Go walk outside, go take a break. So some training early on that they can know how to stay in that green zone before they get to the yellow or red. Uh, Some things like partnering with online mental health providers so they don't have to come to rural Utah, but we can access them wherever they are. And then instead of a six-week wait period, we have a six-hour wait period until they can get on with a counselor. So we're looking at all of the options and bringing that together in, in a big push for mental health, not only for our students, but our faculty and staff. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what we're you know, sort of working on, you know, with our initiative, with our, again, we look and adults can't help if they're not healthy themselves. Right. They <laughs> so have to really get important. healthy and, and we all have to take care of each other, especially coming out of COVID. I think everyone's trying to adjust and figure out what is our new normal and are we expecting it to be like the old normal, but it's not. So yeah. how do we adjust to that? And, and what part of ourselves did we lose during that time? And everybody's working through that together. And I think as much as we normalize that and acknowledge that, it will help all of us. Yeah. So what are you doing to, are there some incentive programs to get more uh, therapists? Is there, is there a way to, you know, even as higher, higher ed, are, are we doing more to sort of make sure that we have, I mean, we're, we got to do that with teachers. We've got to do that with everybody. We got to sort of incentivize those areas. Is there something we can do there? There is, and we actually just, we're starting our first doctoral program at SUU, and it's in PsyD. So we purposely did that so that we could graduate those students and hopefully have them stay in rural Utah, and that we could have an impact for the good on the healthcare and mental health industry in Utah. And we're graduating those students, but they're also out doing internships in Cedar City and in rural Utah. So we're trying to increase that workforce there, and we'll incentivize that and help them get here. Uh, we're, we have our first f- cohort starting in the fall, and I okay. think that will have a pretty good impact on what we can do with mental health in rural Utah. Oh, that's fantastic. Our second boy that's down there is um, going into psychology, just declared, so... Fabulous. <laughs> Perhaps he'll be in the PsyD program in a couple he, of years. He may. He may very well. So he's very interested in, in that kind of thing. So it's good. It's a good thing. So we're we're really excited about that. We know that's really important. Um, so let's talk a little bit about, uh, we've talked about students in there, but what about young leaders, especially, specifically young women? How is, what are, what are your sort of advice or how do you talk to young women about their paths as leaders is there is there something specific that you give or you you know advice that you give to to young women about how to become kind of that leader that that the world needs i think the best thing that i can do and i talk to them often and i in my event management class that i teach i spend a, a two weeks talking about leadership and especially pointed toward the women in the class of how we can lean in and things that we do to ourselves to hold ourselves back. I always talk about that, but I think example is the best thing that I can do. And it's been really interesting to watch uh, the young women on our campus watch me and and recognize that they have somebody like them in a role that they may want to aspire to. That's been inspiring for them, and that's always hard for me because I just like to quietly go do my thing. Mm-hmm. 
But to watch them watch me, I know that I need to be that example and I know I need to be out there doing this and helping them see that it's it's normal for this leadership position and let more of them be exposed to that. The advice I would give them is, and I come from a generation that I think tried to open some doors, but maybe held ourselves back a little bit. I think we have, I have definitely, being vulnerable here, I've played the role appropriately and been deferential. Mm-hmm. And I'm learning, I, I just need to own who I am and be the leader that I am and work together with people. I'm not trying to run over people, but I think I, I can own this space better. And that's something that I would teach those younger women is just go own the space and, and be who you are and be happy in that space. That's incredible advice. Um, I think that's, uh, you know, it goes back to that idea of, you know, you have to see it to be it. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> and I think we need to really make sure that young women see that. But also I love the idea of that, that collaborative spirit. spirit. Um, you can't just, um, you need to own your space, but also to, to make sure that you're collaborating with allies. And yeah. a lot of ways, you know, those, you need male allies. Absolutely. And all ships raise the tide, right? And I'm not trying to take away from their space by owning my space. I think we can all be in the same space together, yeah. but don't diminish yourself trying to fit in that space, own that space and, and be your person and, Go get whatever you want. I think it's much easier for this younger generation, and they look at me like, why wouldn't you do that? Well, I was raised differently, but that doesn't mean I don't want to do it. So, <laughs> right, I, we just need to go own whatever level we're comfortable at and, and go get it because women should be everywhere and at every place at the table and be comfortable. But I know I spend a lot of time in my career making sure that I was on the back row, not at the table. Mm. And nobody did that to me. I did that to myself. And that's why I think as women, we need to recognize what we do to ourselves to put it, put ourselves in roles and just lean right into the table. Mm. We belong at the table and we deserve to be there. I love that. Well, I want to keep talking about um, some of these issues. I know that we have some wonderful things going on campus. We have some challenges, and let's keep talking about that when we come right back. Okay. We're back here with uh, Mindy Benson. We are uh, interim president of SUU, and we are talking about you have an incredible event coming up. You have a really cool anniversary coming up. Tell us a little bit about that. It's the 125th anniversary of SUU. We kicked it off at Founders Week, and it will continue for a year-long celebration. We have one of the most storied foundings in the history of colleges and, and universities around the country, around the world, really. And we like to celebrate our, our founders, but not only our, our founders, our modern-day founders. And that's what the celebration for the next year will be, is celebrating our community, our students, our alumni, and just participating in, in the great things that are part of our history. One of the biggest events that we have coming up is commencement, and that's always my favorite time of year. That's why that's why we're here is to get the students graduated, right? And it's so rewarding to see them thrilled that day. They're just full of joy and tears, and it's so exciting for them. They can be the tra- so proud of what yeah. they've done. Yeah. The traditions surrounding commencement with bagpipes and walking through the bell tower. It's it's just it makes me cry every single commencement and. I shouldn't, but I do. So 
This year we have Condoleezza Rice as our commencement speaker. Which Secretary is incredible. Rice. I know. I'm so excited for that. <laughs> I am so sad I can't be there because I, she is seriously one of my kind of heroes. I mean, I, I don't have a lot of heroes, but I th- I, I admire her. Um, her strength, her oh, resolve. Steadiness and brilliance. And, and the role she's played as uh, a woman in in a cabinet. She just... I'm I'm thrilled to have her and the students will learn so much from her. The fact yeah. that she's in Cedar City is only possible because Governor Levitt and she were were secretaries on the Bush oh, cabinet right. together. Okay, yeah, that's, that's the, connection. the connection. Yeah, there's no no other way that we could get her <laughs> to Cedar City but because of that connection. She's happy to be at his alma mater. Yeah, she's a she's a concert pianist. I know. And I don't know if we'll have her speak or play or, play or, or both. I would. She could do it all. <laughs> and then my my other most favorite thing about her is like her complete uh, involvement. I don't know. If she's totally involved, but NFL football. Like I know football. she loves football. Like, she loves football. And I can been on with those that football so committees. <laughs> she's been on the NCAA football committee. She's been so engaged in football, and it's been fun to watch. But. I, I read an article the other day that it's because she likes Tom Brady. Well, maybe it's not because of, but she said she <laughs> likes Tom Brady. And I thought, oh, that makes sense. Yeah. And I, I've heard her name thrown around so much for the NFL commissioner. Commissioner, I would Wouldn't love that to see be that. amazing? I would love to see that. I think she can write her ticket anywhere. I think she could too. I, but we're excited to have her at SUU. What an opportunity. Yeah. That's really and cool. And we're sad you can't be with us. I know. I'm I'm. We'll send you a picture. Sad. So before we talk about alumni, I want to go back to the founder, the founders and the founding of SU until you said it was a unique story. I want to hear it. Well, as I said before, Cedar City always rallies and the legislature had said you can have a school there, but you have to have your first building by this certain time or you're going to lose the state funding for it. Mm -hmm. So our community rallied and said, we've got to go up the mountain to get the lumber. The sawmill was on the mountain and it was the dead of winter and it had the worst snow that they've had. I wish we had that now in our mountains, right? (laughs) Yes. But the community said, we'll go, we'll go up the mountain and go get the lumber. And they put a team together and the team and the horses went up the mountain, but not before all the women in town had gathered supplies and blankets and stuff from tax shops to get them going. So it was a community effort and they all went up the mountain and there was a, an old sorrel horse and it they got to a place where they couldn't go any further and the storm was coming in and they were going to get stranded. And this horse had fallen off a ledge when he was a little a little horse, whatever they're called. <laughs> a colt. Colt is better. <laughs> See, that's the farm life I live. A little horse. A colt. As a colt, he had fallen off a ledge and he had to, to spring forward on his haunches to get up, to back up the ledge. So when they got into the snowdrift and they couldn't go any further and they could, they were stuck in the snow and stranded, this horse started breaking through the snow with the same motions that he had gotten himself out of that when he was a colt. Mm-hmm. So he was able to do that and they were able to make it up to the mountain safely and come back down the mountain with the lumber. Wow. And then our community gave everything they had. I mean, people had mortgaged their homes and mortgaged their farms to be able to build the university. And they had casket wood that they had brought over with them from Wales and from England. They used, they gave it to the university to to build Old Main. It was a true community sacrifice from 
ranchers, farmers, and miners that would never use the school themselves. They did it for their grandkids. They did it for community members. They did it for generations today. I think that's Isn't that incredible. It's so inspiring. And I think most of our, our universities have and, and colleges have you know, similar beginnings. Especially in the rural roots that they yeah, had. The I pioneers mean, Snow just College, mm-hmm. same, same thing. I mean, they, they gave everything for it because they knew how important education. education. It was all important to them, even though they wouldn't benefit from it. But look at what it's grown into. I would love to think our founders are proud of what we've accomplished now with 75% growth in the last eight years, thanks to Scott Wyatt and the enrollment team who have done so much to grow our university. 75% growth, and we're at 14,300 students. If you put that in perspective, at the 100-year anniversary, we had the celebration of this century, we were at 6,000 students. (laughs) In 25 years, we have more than doubled. Wow. Wow. It's remarkable. Yeah, it is. It is remarkable. And I think it goes to 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 show, um, you know, the leadership at, at SUU and and the vision and the sacrifice of of the community members. And I, I, you know, I often wonder, I hope I hope we I hope they are proud of us and I hope we're thinking of our, you know, our posterity. And, you know, are, are we as a community really looking down the road to see if what our actions today are helping somebody down the road. I know with this right. year's legislature, I mean, they were really focused, especially, you know, together with the legislature and the, and the governor's office, it was really focused on how can we invest in investing in, in, yeah, in our future, investing in the future and, and, and our, and strategically and our planning for what the future looks like and how we can change people's lives. So that's part of what higher ed does is change people, people's lives. They get an education, they get the degree, but they also discover themselves yeah. at yeah. some level. Yeah. And I hope that never goes away. I, you know, I know we, we live in a world and it's good. It's a good world of, of sort of we're, we're in this hybrid of where we can, you know, work from home or go to school from home or do these things. But I hope we never lose sight of, of that. Um, I guess my experience in college was beautiful. Same for me. That's where I discovered the classes were critical to my success. But I discovered myself being a student leader and running those events as a student leader and working through student leadership development. And that was the career I chose ultimately because of the experience I had as a student. And I love online. Our online has grown 600% in the last couple of years. It's amazing. Yeah. But I hope we don't lose. And that's what's so important about SUU is the student experience. Mm -hmm. And I will fight to my dying day to make sure that we always have that student experience. Actually, my ancestors will haunt me. Yes. If if that (laughs) student leadership experience changes, that student experience changes. Yeah. No, I I completely agree. Let's talk a little bit. You, You said it's growing so much. But you do have a great alumni organization and and people around the world that have have contributed to to SU. Let's talk a little bit about that. That's what's been fun to watch as we brought more international students in and our students graduate and go back to their homes and across the world. We have alumni across the entire world. We have about 70,000 alumni in our database right now that are very strong, active, engaged alumni. I think I've either taught or advised half of them. and It's been fun because dad's student leaders are my alumni and my student leaders are my alumni. So 
we call them up. So do you want to come to an event? Do you want anything for you? And then, (laughs) you know, they'll show up. But we have a really strong alumni base who care deeply about it because they had the same experience that that you talked about and the same experience your sons are having. It's important to make sure that we have that shared narrative and build that shared experience that people want to come back to and that they care about the university. I love it. And and so critical to, again, moving it forward and, and continuing the, the right. things that you're doing. Um, one more thing that's very unique to SUU is the Shakespeare Festival. So oh, let's, we, we haven't talked about that. We, ta- we talked, we alluded to it when you talked about the tart. Being a tart girl. T- tart I girls. did graduate into being a house manager, so I wasn't always <laughs> selling tarts, but so many comments about so that. So let's talk a little bit kind of how that happened. Why is the world premiere, you know, the world's most the world um, celebrated uh, Shakespeare Festival, how did it end up in Cedar City? Well, Fred and Barbara Adam, well, Barbara right. Gaddy at the time. See, you can tell I worked there. But Fred <laughs> Adams has changed so many lives. And we actually just honored Fred at the Founders Banquet last week. He has changed lives. And, and part of what he has done is by founding the Utah Shakespeare Festival 61 years ago, was change the economic base of Cedar City. And it changed the cultural scene, changed the art scene. But they, at, at the time, the iron mines were closing and they mm-hmm. recognized that Cedar City needed something. And they said, why don't we start a Utah Shakespeare Festival? So the fluffy bunny laundromat, they started the Shakespeare Festival. They conceptualized that and then started it. And 61 years later, it's thriving. Tony Award winning, incredible Shakespeare Festival that is brings in millions of dollars into the economy of Iron County and Cedar City. Yeah, and it's just, there's nothing like it. It's such an incredible time, and it goes from, what, June to October? Is that the the time? And there's not, there's incredible Shakespeare plays, and the the actors, the caliber of actors that that are there. I mean, again, world-class. World-class actors, and some of them are just, getting into their careers and that's when I talk about Benjamin Bratt and Josh Whitfield and Patrick Page and all of that group that are now on Broadway or in movies they all cut their teeth at the Utah Shakespeare Festival and actors continue to do that Ty Burrell was here at the Utah Shakespeare Festival I didn't know that yeah he actually played uh, in Midsummer Night's Dream loved his experience at the Utah Shakespeare Festival and still lives in Utah some of the time mm, yeah it's anyway I just I love it we go every year and I do have to say that you you have and the reason you're in Salt Lake today I am assuming and I will be there tonight you, but we will be there tonight I look a, forward to seeing your performance on stage <laughs> <laughs> We've had some fun events where we've done a full like play where we you know we're just reading from scripts but you know we're dressed up and we do this gala and it's a fundraiser for um the Shakespeare, the Shakespeare Festival, Festival. and, we've and tonight they're producing every brilliant thing, which yeah, again ties back to mental health. That. Yeah, talk a little bit about that because I don't know that a ton of people know about this, um, and it was kind of really taking off before COVID, and then and now we're we're celebrating it again, and this this play is, yeah, is really meaningful. The legislature was so good to fund this to go back out into the schools, so it's something that the Utah Shakespeare Festival has taken out into schools because we feel strongly, and it was something SUU sponsored. We want to help with mental health wherever we can. And this play talks about what are the good things in life and what what's good that you can celebrate and just different aspects of it and explores quite a bit of that. 
And we took it out into schools and then COVID happened and that the tour had to shut down. But we got funding from the legislature this year to take it back out into the schools again. We're thrilled about that experience and opportunity. Yeah, I'm really excited about it. We're going to I Spencer has seen it. I have not. So you will love it. I'm so excited. We're bringing it. And I look forward to seeing what role you play. I know I can't remember. I got a text and it had some lines and (laughs) I'm really going to have to go look for it again. (laughs) You'll figure it out. (laughs) They're always very nice. The the folks at Shakespeare are always very sweet and help you out and try to help you not look like an idiot. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's that's the main thing that we're trying to do. Just try not to look back to that conversation of time and your son doesn't worry about it. And we're too wound too tightly. If we'd let go a little bit, we'd probably have more fun on Yes, that is true. Right? That is definitely for uh, an advice for me because, yeah, I'm not. Just let go and have a little bit of fun. I can say that because I said, oh, no, thank you. I don't (laughs) want to be on stage. So I'll give you the advice. Thank you. Let go and have fun. You'll you'll have a great time. It'll be be great. great. Don't worry about it. But thanks for participating in that. That's an important thing to support the Shakespeare Festival. It's a thing we do every year. part of our community. Yeah, we love it. And we love to be able to go out in the schools and help where we can. And this idea, again, of mental health is so critically important, and this is a way to address that in, in a really meaningful way that really connects with with uh, students in high school. So it's, yeah. it's perfect. So Mental health is important. We've, we've got to take care of it. Our students even invested in a student health clinic on campus because they recognize how important it is. Mm-hmm. And they actually said yes to a student fee that they brought it forward as an initiative and said, we need a student health clinic on campus. Wow. So students are recognizing the need for this. And they're just this. so much better at this stuff than we ever were. They or talk will about be. it. We didn't. We, didn't. we yeah. just pulled up our pioneer bootstraps and, and, and went through it. Suffered through right. and gave them. If you weren't suffering, you, you're not doing your <laughs> job. Right. You must suffer. That's right. And I don't know so where we got that, that from. It goes way back to those Puritan parts of us and <laughs> those hardy pioneers that went up the mountain, right? Exactly. Which were awesome in a lot of ways and, you know, for mental health, maybe not as much. So (laughs) I'm glad that we're normalizing and talking about it and and finding ways to help each other. Yeah, I I think it's all about getting through this life together and taking care of each other as we do that. Absolutely. And those relationships, I think. So important. Like you talked about, always building relationships, always connecting as humans. Connecting as, as humans and empathizing and loving and taking care of each other. That's the core of who I am as a leader and as a person. Perfect message. Thank you, Mindy, for being here. Um, Thank Thank you you for the opportunity. It's wonderful to chat with you. We cross paths many times, but it's fun to just sit down and chat. Thank you. And uh, we're we're so happy. And please support Shakespeare and check out SUU and their 125 years. We'll take care of them. Absolutely. They will. I can attest. Thanks, Mindy. Thank you.